Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Scott. Before we get to today's podcast, I wanted to remind you about Football Insider. The regular season is getting closer every day, and if you want to stay up to date on all things Browns, Football Insider is a great way to do it. Subscription gets you text updates sent right to your phone from me, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ellis. You also get access to all the exclusive content you see on Cleveland.com. A lot of it's free, but quite a bit of stuff we write about the Browns requires a Football Insider subscription to access. You also get our daily newsletter, which includes content that only appears in the newsletter. So go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and learn how to get signed up. All right, let's do it. Here's today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go in the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Robbie, Mary Kay, Cabot, Scott Patsko. And we are going to look at the Browns' 53-man roster, the initial 53-man roster. There are moves that still need to be made once waivers uh, go through. That's 4 o'clock on Wednesday uh, is when teams have to start making claims. And the Browns have some roster moves to make. We'll probably get to some of those. But let's talk through this roster. Mary Kay, let's just start here. What was your biggest takeaway when you saw this roster? You know, my biggest takeaway really uh, in looking at this roster and also in watching practice is that this is a really good football team. This is the best roster that I have covered in 30 years of covering the Cleveland Browns. It really is the most talented roster, the deepest roster, and just overall the best one that I have covered. So just in general, that is my overarching theme. Yeah. I guess my biggest takeaway from this is just how much this roster makes sense. And I'm just really upset that I didn't think of some of this stuff when I was doing my 53 man projection, like keeping five running backs and having Felton be one of them. And he kind of serves, I guess, as that six receiver makes a ton of sense. Um, And obviously you're going to have some guys going on IR here, but it just, yeah, everything just seems as much as we talk about how deep this roster is, I think pretty much all these cuts were pretty obvious. Uh, I know people talk about Kadero Hodge, um, but it just seemed like there was a lot of just an obvious feel to the way this ended up. Yeah. So, so let's go back to that talent thing, because that's something that sort of stood out to me too. When we were doing our 53 man rosters and we talked about it after the game on Sunday and, Uh, as these cuts came through, there was almost a part of me that was like, who's the headline name on these guys that have been cut? Is it like Sheldrick Redwine? Is it Jojo Nats? Like the names you were kind of picking through were just sort of like, okay, that's interesting, but not overly surprising. 
And I just think it speaks to the stability on this roster, kind of how top heavy it is. And honestly, I don't think we're ever going to see another roster like this. Like there's going to be years moving forward now where the Browns are going to be like all these other teams and they've got to cut guys that maybe they don't want to cut and they've got to do some things uh, a little bit differently, but they're just in this window right now where the talent on this team is just unbelievable. Like you said, Mary Kay. Yeah, it, it really is. And I don't think that, um, that any of us were really too surprised by uh, the events of today and that list when it came out, because uh, we knew who was going to stick around. It was pretty darn obvious for the most part who the starters were and who the backups were. And those starters and backups are really good. A lot of the backups can be starters for other teams. And uh, it's just it's just a darn good good team. When I look out there, and I'm going to try to be writing a, an analysis a little bit about some of this stuff, but they've got two of the best running backs in the league. They've got two really good tight ends, actually three really good tight ends. They've got two of the best wide receivers in the league two of the best defensive ends in the league and arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. So there are areas, pockets of this team where they're better or just as good as anybody in the league. And when you put it all together from top to bottom, this team, I think they can beat anyone. Absolutely. This football team can beat any other NFL team. And I think the reason we're talking about all the talent is because, you know, last year, uh, at this time, there were just a lot of questions. And then over the course of the season, a lot of those got answered, right? We have a much better idea of what Baker Mayfield is. And, uh, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of rising up has answered some questions. We really didn't know we were going to get out of the tight end group. You know, David Njoku wasn't really clear if he was going to make it through the entire season uh, with the Browns last year. Right guard, you know? I mean, all these things uh, kind of got answered on offense, especially. And then, uh, you add in the fact that they've addressed so many things on defense. You know, we're not talking about, you know, can Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph kind of step up into roles that they and play at a level they haven't really played before. You know, you got guys on the back of this defense who have done it and done it really well. Um, and even, you know, they remade the whole defensive tackle position. That's probably the only real question we have uh, the, going into the season. You're not really sure how that group's going to perform on a week-to-week basis. Uh, but other than that, there just aren't a lot of question marks. Well, Scott, I'm glad you said that because I'm going to throw in another topic here at the end, and that's going to be biggest question. So as we're going along, you guys got to think of that because I'm going to throw that at you guys um, as, when we get to the end here. Uh, my, I mean, my biggest takeaway is just that Demetric Felton, I think, solved some of the problems. Um I think him making the roster is why you don't need a guy like a Jojo Natson. Uh, He's going to be your kick returner, at least initially. He might return punts even. Uh, Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones handles that again. So I I think Demetric Felton really sort of unlocked a lot of things. It's interesting they also kept Dearness Johnson. So maybe they view him as a guy that can fill some of those uh, special team reps like Kaderil Hodgson. Now maybe Hodge will be back. Um, But, I, I, you know, when you have a guy like, Demetric Felton, you pick him in the sixth round, he can do a little bit of everything. He just unlocks things that allows you to, to maybe do some different things. So now you didn't need to keep Jojo Natson. So now you got to keep somebody else. You got to keep that extra offensive lineman, or you got to keep that fourth running back or what, whatever it was, you got to keep someone that maybe you wouldn't have been able to. 
Yeah, he definitely gave them that flexibility. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you need. I actually thought that maybe he would even make Dearness Johnson expendable. And we don't, again, know exactly how that's going to work out over the next few days. Uh, but but they, le- they like something about Dearness Johnson. Stump Mitchell really likes him. The coaching staff likes him. He plays special teams. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But you're right. Demetric Felton gave them the chance to part ways with a JoJo Natson and not keep a Kaderil Hodge and things like that. Now they do want to bring Kaderil Hodge back and they would like it to bring him back on the active roster. One of the reasons he was let go uh, is because he was making $2.13 million. And he caught four passes last year. Didn't stay real healthy last year. So um, that's too much money for your sixth receiver. No question about it. Uh, So now they can bring him back for less than that somewhere in the neighborhood of 990,000 if they go just total veteran minimum for him. Uh, so that saves them a million bucks. And, and that's where you want to save your money on those, you know, six receiver, six, whatever, running back uh, type of guy. So uh, that was that with him. And then I think there are a couple of other guys that they would like to have back. I think they'd still like to have Javante Moffitt back. I put him on my initial 53 thinking that, you know, they might not have Grant Delpit back right away and that they could use an extra safety. So I thought he would stick around. I don't know if he's somebody that's going to end up somewhere else or not, uh, but he could show up back here. And, you know, one of those defensive linemen could also still return in some capacity. I, I'm still asking the question, are we, are we still going to call Demetri Felton a running back? Because, I mean, I look at this roster and he just seems to make so much more sense as the quote unquote sixth receiver that, that, you know, that's kind of missing right now, uh, especially after seeing him run the ball in the preseason. Uh, I'm guessing the Browns saw Dernis Johnson run the ball and saw Demetri Felton run the ball. And they thought we, we really should probably keep DJ on this roster because uh, the, the drop off between Kareem Hunt and Felton is, is so much bigger than, than between Hunt and Dernis Johnson as a runner, at least. And Felton took so many snaps in the slot and out wide in preseason. Um, it just makes sense. I, so we're assuming that Michael Dunn is going to IR. We're assuming Jacob Phillips is going to IR and they only have three tight ends on this roster. So I would, I would kind of be surprised if they don't add another tight end. Um, I think having Felton kind of serve as that six receiver makes more sense than bringing back to Daryl Hodge. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they juggle all that because you know, even depending on where Delpit is, maybe he ends up on IR. Tony Fields, like there, there's yeah. a number of guys that could end up on IR here uh, in the next 48 hours. So let me ask you guys this then, Scott, we'll start with you and, and maybe the tight ends is, is your answer, but what, what is your biggest surprise? Uh, yeah, I, when we started, I was kind of looking through and like I said, everything just seemed kind of obvious. Um, like it, so many things make sense about what they did. Um, Blake Hans kind of sneaking on and, and I'm going to assume he'll be on this roster at least until Michael Dunn is healthy. Um, but yeah, I don't look at this roster and say, wow, that's a big surprise. I mean, Malcolm Smith is on this roster because they had to keep, they know they got to keep Jacob Phillips, uh, through the 53 before they can get him on IR. Um, I mean, I had Sheldon day as my defensive tackle over Malik McDowell, but on our podcast after the Falcons game, I kind of walked that back and admitted that was the wrong move. But yeah, I don't come away with this with really much of much in the way of a surprise other than 
I think Felton is, is probably your, your sixth receiver, and that's why they have five, you know, quote-unquote running backs listed. Okay, what about you? You know what? It's a mild surprise, and that was that they only kept the three defensive ends uh, in Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, and Tack McKinley. So that, to me, was a little bit of a surprise because – I counted that as one of the, uh, you know, one of the fiercest battles of camp for that fourth defensive end spot with Porter Gustin, Cameron Malvo, Joe Jackson, Curtis Weaver, uh, you know, all those guys vying for that spot and none of them stuck around. And I, I was just a little surprised about that. Uh, but it sort of also leads me to believe that maybe one of those guys is going to come back in some way shape or form over the next couple of days when they get some guys on IR and do some other things um I mean I, I could be wrong but it just seems to me like um they liked a few of them enough to 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 have one or two of them back maybe one of them can show up on the practice squad one of them goes on the active roster but I think they're leaving themselves just a little bit short at defensive end especially because a couple of the guys have some injury history both Miles and Jadavian and tech they all actually have injury history so i would expect to see another defensive end on the roster at some point soon yeah one of those uh wait by the phone situations you know we've got to wave you today because we got to get some guys through to ir and just stick around we we got a spot for you um i i mean my, my biggest surprise and I, I mentioned this on the video that we did mary Kay. It, it's not that it was a surprise in the last like week or two but it was a surprise in the fact if you go back to like May, it's surprising. And that's just that Malik McDowell made the roster. Um, you know, it became apparent it was going to happen, I think, right around that Giants game. But the fact that he's here kind of based on everything he's been through, the, I mean, this is a big flyer that the Browns took. And so to me, uh, I kind of count that as maybe surprise in this context is the wrong word, but I just count that as an overall surprise. This is a guy that we didn't know what was going to happen. And now he's here, and I'm sure even he's a little surprised that that he ended up making this roster. Yeah, you know what? He's uh, I've wa I've watched those defensive linemen very closely this whole entire camp. I watch all of their drills. I watch a lot of what they do in practice, and I've watched Malik McDowell look more and more like a football player every single day. He's knocked off the rust. He's gotten more athletic. His body has gotten in more shape. He's going faster through the drills. Uh, it was almost like in the beginning, I watched him have to get control over that huge 6'6", 295 frame of his. He didn't seem like uh, like he was, you know, super comfortable in his own body at times. And now he is. Now he's going through those drills uh, and, and he's getting kudos from the coaches when he does it, too, because he's really, really come a long way and added a lot of athleticism and quickness to and power, you know, to just his size. And you guys see him in person. He's just a a man mountain. And, uh, you know, if they can turn this guy into the uh, second round pick that he was in 2017 of the Seahawks, then they have really earned their keep as a personnel department to try to find a gem like Cam just as a street free agent. Yeah. I put him in a, in a group with Grant Delpit and JOK um, and maybe even Clowney to an extent of guys who like, if they play to their potential can really make the defense something special. They have, you know, those guys at almost every level of the defense. And, you know, Andrew Berry's willing to take a chance on some guys. And McDowell looks like he's on the verge of paying off. And 
yeah, his versatility and, and possibly even some guy who can slide out and move around along with, with Miles Garrett and Clowney, um, that could be huge up front. It's kind of versatility. They didn't have a lot of last season. They did it a little bit, but it was more out of emergency or necessity, you know, sometimes just the fact that they only had X amount of guys available in a game. So just a lot more possibilities with a guy like him for sure. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go to my biggest question mark because, Mary Kay, you brought it up. We're talking about the position group. I think the biggest question mark in this roster, they only, like you said, Mary Kay, they only kept three defensive ends. And when you really drill down, you are counting very heavily on Jadavian Clowney to stay healthy and Tack McKinley to revive his career and Malik McDowell to revive his career. And, you know, the reality is Jadavian Clowney's coming off a, a year where he wasn't healthy. Tack McKinley hasn't been the player that the Falcons thought they were going to be when they drafted him in the first round. And Malik McDowell hasn't played football since 2016. So <laughs> you're asking a lot of guys with, I think, big question mark. Connie actually might be the, might have the fewest question marks is when he's healthy and he's generally been pretty healthy when he's healthy, he's very good. Um, but I think there's question marks still around McKinley and McDowell, what they're going to actually bring you. Although I love the role McKinley's in. I didn't like it when he was the number two guy. I love him as your extra pat, as your Adrian Claiborne. You're still counting very heavily on guys that you're just not a hundred percent sure what you're going to get out of them. So I think that's probably my biggest question mark right now. Yeah, these are calculated risks they're taking. Uh, you're, you're relying on guys that have not worked out over the past how many ever years in the several places that they have been, whether just out in the world or on a football field or with a team. Uh, you know, tack with, with the Falcons and then uh, you know, he goes out to the Raiders and it didn't work out there for them to re-sign him. And you just, and then he missed most of camp while dealing with some personal issues. So you are taking a bit of a calculated risk in hoping that you can surround him with enough of a, a good support system uh, that he can stay here and make this work and make a go of it. Because I do look out there and I really see uh, a really good speed rusher. I mean, he brings a lot of quickness and explosiveness off the ball. I mean, you guys see him in some of these drills even uh, and in the little bit of practice that we've seen. He's fast off the ball. He might not always get home for the sack, uh, but, but he's going he's gonna to make a quarterback uh, have to think about what he's doing pretty darn quickly with that football. So, you know, I like what I've seen in him so far, but like you said, Dan, you know, with, with him and, and with Malik McDowell, it's a one-day-at-a-time proposition with some of these guys. And from a, from a health standpoint, you know, Jadavian, you know, he's got to try to, you know, he's got to try to stay healthy. He's got a lot of tread on those tires. And, and so, you know, they've got a lot of really good talent and pieces and parts there. It's just a matter of like keeping it all together and hoping it can carry you through the whole season. Yeah. I mean, the, the entire defense is a question mark pretty much. I mean, we, we've yet to see this whole group uh, out there together. And I mean, when your cornerstones are guys who have had trouble staying on the field, it just, kind of it's a shaky ground you're right from 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 top to bottom and but the but the big difference of course from last year is that you have guys who have done it before in important spots you're not so full of guys who are doing something new or doing having a certain role for the first time uh, but again it's 
yeah, we're going to find out real quick against the Chiefs uh, how far along they are as a group and how well they can play together. Um, but yeah, I think just the defense is just on paper, it looks good. It looks like it has a lot of possibilities, but we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, and Mary Kay, you've been kind of touching on this in columns and things like that. You know, look, three, four years from now, we might be saying Cleveland's the place you go. If you if you have talent and you need to, to kind of get your career back on track, come to Cleveland and they'll do it. It's just they're so early in their regime, we just don't know yet for sure. And that's clearly what they believe they can do. And once they do it over and over and over again, they're going to kind of get that reputation of being that place. And so this is maybe the the start of something here with these guys. But I, I do think it is fair to, to say that there are some question marks. You know, if, if something happens, if somebody gets hurt, if somebody just isn't there, whatever it is, I mean, it is really hard to play football for the first time in four years in the case of a guy like Malik McDowell. So I think, you know, he might not be ready you know, he'll be on the field. He might not necessarily be that guy in September. If you can get him there by the middle of the season and on, you're going to have a really good thing going there. Uh, Mary Kay, what was your biggest question mark? My biggest question mark right now is, will Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams be able to come back and make the kind of contribution that you've been counting on them to make? I mean, when they headed into uh, this offseason and training camp and and, uh, and this preseason, uh, they really have been counting on those two guys to play very large and significant roles this season. And when you're coming off of an, a ruptured Achilles and a hamstring, you know, that's also a question mark. And the same thing with Greedy. Uh, you know, right now, he should be okay. This is not a serious injury. But, you know, he's, he was still knocking off the rust of the shoulder injury. Now he's got a groin injury. So those two guys, I think they should be able to uh, – they should be able to contribute and, and fulfill everything that the Browns wanted them to this year. But the truth of the matter is with those two guys, we just don't yet know yet. The groin's not serious. The hamstring's not serious, but they are coming off something that kept them out all last year. So we just have to see how those are. Those guys are going to do. Scott, what was your biggest question? Uh, it probably goes back, if you want to nail it down and focus on one thing, I'd probably just say mostly the front seven <laughs> on defense. You know, we, we mentioned McDowell. The good thing is they got, he's one of five there on the front, uh, in the middle on uh, a defensive tackle. So I, he's not going to be playing, you know, 50, 60% of the snaps. They're going to work him in slowly. And that's good, but you're still not really sure how that first rotation is going to work out. Sheldon Day was in there a lot uh, next to Malik Jackson during the preseason. Andrew Billings was kind of rotating with him. Uh, I'm not sure who takes that role. It, perhaps it's Jordan Elliott. Um, but whoever it is, you're going to have somebody who kind of has to prove themselves. And then again, at linebacker, um, you know, we're, we're expecting Phillips to go to IR. And I'm assuming it's going to be Walker and Wilson as your main two guys to start against the Chiefs. But Mac Wilson, you know, again, what you're not really sure what you're going to get out of him in the regular season, uh, how JOK fits into all this. Tony Fields, I mean, <laughs> welcome to the team. We're, we're not even, you know, we haven't really seen him do much of anything. We're not sure how he fits in there. Um, what kind of a role would Malcolm Smith have? Because he was your best coverage guy last year. He's probably not going to have that role this year. Um, so it's really a linebacker by committee. So that defensive tackle and linebacker group, um, be interesting to see how things kind of go the first few weeks and how they go about rotating the, that group and who gets the most playing time. 
Well, and then the good news on that front, Mary Kay, is Jeremiah Wusukormoa is able to put his helmet on today. So obviously the stitches, whatever happened to that accident, has healed enough so he was able to put his helmet on. And, uh, you know, when this team really starts gearing up for Kansas City, they're going to be able to sort of get him in the plan a little bit and, and kind of see what he's ready for in that first week. Yeah, that's important. And we heard little rumblings throughout the last couple of days that perhaps maybe uh, there was some chatter about uh, Mac Wilson. Would they trade Mac? Were teams calling around for Mac? Uh, I actually think you could part with Mac Wilson. I think you've got enough guys at weak side linebacker that you could uh, you could do just fine with, you know, with Malcolm Smith and with JOK and now Tony Fields coming back. I think that uh, I think that Mac could be expendable. So I actually wouldn't be surprised over the next couple of days if something like that happens. But it was it was good for them to, to get JOK back today, get the helmet on. I saw he kind of took it off a, a couple of times uh, and, you know, he just didn't have it on the whole entire practice when he needed to take it off. He did. But that's a good sign because these guys have three days off after these three days of practice to just let their bodies heal, rest up before they come back here to get ready for Kansas City. Yeah, and, and these are supposed to be pretty light days, too. So, um, I, you know, they're not going to be going real hard in any of these practices. So uh, these guys should be ready to go when they come back on Monday uh, to get ready for the Chiefs. We've got real football right around the corner. So uh, that's exciting. And once we kind of get through this week, we'll be back to that normal, that normal five day a week schedule here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. But we'll be back with you after uh, these next two practices uh, as well. So for Scott and Eric and Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.